Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Thank you to all of you for coming today. I'm sure some of you at least have heard of OK Cupid. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's a dating website that, according to one of my friends, appeals to older men and women of a more intellectual bent. But here's how it works. A person writes a profile answering questions like, what are six things you couldn't live without? And answers a multitude of specific questions, such as, which is worse, book burning or flag burning? Despite the supposed intellectual bent of the members, only about 10% answer book burning. So I can easily eliminate 90% of the people on this site from consideration. But to get closer to my topic for today, Another important question which has bedeviled me for years is this. Despite future considerations, which is of more interest to you right now, love or sex? I changed my answer many times, but I haven't changed a clever comment that I'm still not sure I can handle, uh, but it's left posted on the website. It says, I am not sure what true love really is, but I am clear on sex. As I look at that comment over and over again these many years, it has remained posted. I keep thinking I should change it. But to what? That question has led me to explore with you today, by means of that with myself also, the concept of aimless love. If it's hard to define love, it's easier, I think, to define aimless. The, 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 the thesaurus section says simply on dictionary.com, having no goal. The definition in the dictionary section is without aim, purposeless. Now purposeless has a hint of pejorative connotation, and that's not the meaning of aimless I intend. Here I am talking about love without a goal in mind, love where you are not seeking to achieve or, or accomplish anything, love more as a way of being toward the world. I was speaking with this idea, to, I was speaking about this idea with a friend of mine in early May, and he pulled out a book of poetry by Billy Collins titled, Aimless Love. Here is the poem of that title from the book. This morning as I walked along the lake shore, I fell in love with a wren and later in the day with a mouse the cat had dropped under the dining room table. In the shadows of an autumn evening, I fell for a seamstress still at her machine in the tailor's window, and later for a bowl of broth, steam rising like smoke from a naval battle. This is the best kind of love, I thought, without recompense, without gifts, or unkind words, without suspicion, or silence on the telephone. The love of the chestnut, the jazz cap, and one hand on the wheel. 
No lust, no slam of the door. The love of the miniature orange tree, the clean white shirt, the hot evening shower, the highway that cuts across Florida. Just a twinge every now and then for the wren who had built her nest on a low branch overhanging the water, and for the dead mouse still dressed in its light brown suit. But my heart is always propped up in a field on a tripod, waiting for the next arrow. After I carried the mouse by the tail to a pile of leaves in the woods, I found myself standing at the bathroom sink, gazing down affectionately at the soap, so patient and soluble, so at home in its pale green soap dish. I could feel myself falling again as I felt it turning in my wet hands and caught the scent of lavender and stone. So here we have aimless love, the writer walking the world, falling in love with objects in his everyday life, from the dead mouse under his table, to having one hand on the wheel, the hot evening shower, to the soap so at home in its soap dish. And I imagine many of us have simple rituals that we consciously or unconsciously practice where we also have an attitude of aimless love toward our surroundings. The daily morning walk to work or to the tea, a weekend place we like to go, a beach, a park, a river, the woods, where we feel an open-hearted connection to all around us. And these experiences can give us a great deal of solace and peace, and we can reap the benefits of this portion of aimless love. And yet, I think, Billy, as Billy Collins illustrates, one always has to wonder what this sort of poem or those sort of rituals and experiences what does that have to do with people, with intimacy, and with relationships? Isn't it a lot easier to feel aimless love toward inanimate objects, who, as far as we know, have no feelings, and perhaps only receive our love to the extent that we imagine some of it projected back on ourselves? How does an attitude of aimless love work in human relationships? Maybe five years into finding myself single after a long marriage, I started noticing a kind of intimacy with others whom I encountered in everyday life. Perhaps it was the absence of what I once called the web of casual intimacy which envelops a person in a family setting. That absence allowed me to begin to notice a similar web, not as intense and much less stable, but still there, associated with single life. At the time, I was writing a series of monthly poems for an unknown lover. In these poems, I sought to relate my daily experiences in single life to an imaginary person, perhaps of the future, or perhaps embodied in the fragmentary but very real experiences of intimacy one has in daily life. Here is my poem, August Poem for an Unknown Lover. When Muhammad smiles and says, hey man, how are you, as he sells me my morning coffee, that's your morning kiss. When Mary pops into my office and said, how did your session go? That's your call at noontime to see what we'll do for dinner. When two-year-old Ryan holds tight to my leg with both arms as I check his brother's throat, that's your hug when I get home. When Phil calls at nine to talk about his day at work, that's the chat we have sitting in our underwear before we turn out the lights. When I roll onto my side in bed so my arms wrap around my chest, that's your hand on my shoulder 
that helps me fall asleep. In snippets of my daily routine, actions that were aimless in terms of intending to create love or intimacy, I found, taken as a whole, yes, they were full of love and a different sort of web of intimacy that was holding me, not binding me tight, but still loosely holding me, supporting me, like a morning kiss would do. But not all months are as pleasant as August, and not all days are as pleasant as one's ordinary routine, unruffled by upsets. How does an attitude of aimless love apply on tougher days with our human companions? A day like the one described in February poem for an unknown lover. Is the ice where I slip, the guy who didn't make the trip, the slush in my shoe, why I can't love you? And I throw a frozen stare to the lady who crackles her plastic candy bag during the Dvorak and mutter something bad when you don't pick up because you never call me back. Where can we find guidance about the role of love with no goal for your average day in February? As a child growing up on Bible study, I was always challenged by some of the messages of Jesus, and I must admit, they readily come to mind when I think about finding guidance about a variety of matters, including this one. In the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount, both Matthew and Luke report that Jesus said, some say you should love your enemies and hate love your friends and hate your enemies, sorry. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But just what type of love did Jesus have in mind? I'm thinking Jesus may have had in mind a kind of aimless love toward those who produce both major, and in the case of my poem, minor travails in our daily life. Those who drive by the curb and get slush in our shoe or distract us during the symphony. Maybe, but does this mean I should be requiring myself to think, oh, that person who drove so close to the curb must have been in a hurry to pick up her child at school? Or the person at symphony must have had bronchitis and been worrying she would cough in the most beautiful part of the Dvorak, so she was sucking on lozenges. Though I've tried that approach, I don't actually find it very helpful. <laughs> so let's consider what's said about love in 1 Corinthians. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I find here much guidance for aimless love in situations of distress. Kindness, patience, not dishonoring others, keeping no record of wrongs, rejoicing in the truth. And isn't it the truth that the slush in my shoe won't last forever? The person will finish the lozenges. And maybe if I had an, had an attitude of aimless love in these experiences, my distress would pass by the time the last lozenge was swallowed. Right after writing this sentence, I saved this sermon. The 1812 overture had played, the cannons had unleashed their concussive sounds, and the fireworks were starting. 
I walked down the steps to the street where you can see the highest portion of the fireworks over the buildings of Back Bay. As I was watching, a woman with a child walked by. The woman turned. Oh, Tiffany, it's Dr. Marshall. Say hello. He used to be your doctor. Now I recognized her, but she looked much healthier, healthier than the last time I saw her. Then she was agitated, strung out on drugs, and had lost a lot of weight. Her daughter was maybe four years younger, had very delayed speech. Mother had not followed through on speech therapy. And after many phone calls, which were unanswered, and a year of missed visits, I finally reported the family to social services. Sometime after that, mom came back to the office but changed her daughter's care to a different doctor. We hadn't spoken since. We stood side by side, talking casually about Tiffany and about the fireworks. Which colors were the prettiest? Tiffany liked green, but she also noticed that the green fireworks never went as high as the others. She also liked the sparkle of the white ones that turned into stars. She told me about her favorite stuffed animal, which she was carrying with her. Finally, I said goodnight and went back inside. A few minutes later, I looked out the window, and mother and child were still standing there, watching more streaming lights fill the sky. How filled with aimless love was the mother's greeting, I thought, as I watched the brightness of each firework light up the faces of the two of them. My spiritual friends, May we be filled with love, love with no goal in mind. May we have open hearts and radiate aimless love as we go on our paths today, this week, and beyond. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ascboston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.